Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Sergio. Crit? I come bearing gifts. What kind of gifts? Books! Yay! (laughs) Books and knowledge. (laughs) So, we talked about deities a couple weeks ago. We talked about how to become one. We never talked about what you do once you are one, though. Yeah, yeah, we we discussed uh, how to become a god. And then we went over uh, in... Not enough in great detail, but even then, not enough detail. Mm -hmm. The new Strixhaven Curriculum of Chaos book. And now we've come back. We've circled back around to discuss once you have become a god, what do you do? Let me tell you, it's a doozy. (laughs) Well, I can imagine. I mean, um, being having that sort of divine power. If you are a lesser god, like a demigod, uh, I mean that still puts you, you know, at a, at a higher level than your than your average mortal. Mm-hmm. It's it's mind blowingly different the way you would play as a deity, and that's some of the things I want to start with. So we're gonna dive right into this because there's a lot of info to cover. So we're going to go off of the 3.5 Deities and Demigods book because nothing for 5e has been canon released yet for the new updates for Deities, but we will right. change some things to make it 5e adaptable. So oh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a healthy, robust mm-hmm. uh, like, um, like, uh, community that will, that will take... Uh, stuff from three from third edition or 3.5 even fourth and and convert it over to fifth edition so that it's usable in the in the edition in the in the game the game the rule set that is being most played today uh you know i i was and and honestly i would i would love to uh i would love to 
play a 3.5. Uh, the last time I DM'd, it was 3.5 um, because uh, the people that I was playing with uh, knew the rules. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm far too old and far too grumpy to, uh, to babysit uh, a group of newbies through 3.5 through those rules because there are many of them. Uh, oh, yeah. Fifth edition, cool. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to, to catch on. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with some divine characteristics. Okay. So now that you're a deity, we have to change your stats. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> according to the 3.5 book, the first thing is, as a deity, you will receive maximum hit maximum hit points for each hit die you currently have. So let's take that into account for a level 20. Okay, that is, let's say, a level 20 barbarian. That is 12 hit points per level. You will immediately max out all your hit points. Makes yep. sense because you're a deity. You're a god. Your speed is also going to be increased. As deities can move much quick, much more quickly than mortals, a deity's base land speed depends on its form, either its biped or quadruped, and its size. So, to list off a few here, for examples, if you're a fine, which is smaller than tiny and diminutive, this is back in 3.5 days, okay? So, if you are small, fine, and you're a biped, you're going to go 20 feet. If you're a quadruped, you're going to go 60 feet. So let's put that as a, let's say we're a humanoid. We're a normal sized human. Well, that's going to put so us in a, a medium like a medium, Yeah, medium sized mm-hmm. human. Okay. Right so our normal biped speed is going to be 60 feet. But if we're quadru- quadruped, that's 100 feet per turn. We're going to move. So your, your average human, uh, it's... Uh, unless you have uh, some sort of feat or some sort of uh, spell going on, some some sort of an enhancement or enchantment, mm-hmm. uh, you're you're more likely your walking speed is going to be thirty feet. So, yeah. as a deity, double that. Yes. Essentially, that's what it goes through the entire book. If you are Walking biped, you're going to double. If you're going to if you're going to quadruped, it looks like you're going triple, sometimes quadruple, which makes sense. You're running on all fours. You know your dogs run faster than a human. It's it's kind of it's there. <laughs> I can run faster than a dog. Oh, I've seen you run around the tower. <laughs> yeah, have you seen dogs run around? We don't have any dogs in the tower exactly, anymore. Exactly, because I've shamed them all into... They, they know this is my tower. If you want to live here, you have to beat me in a foot race, but the, none of them have been able to. Shame on you. Anyway, <laughs> let's dive into changes to our armor class. Now, this is where it gets really hairy. It's really going to be up to your DM to decide this. I've seen some DMs with the 5e ruling system keep your armor class... I've seen others increase your armor class by five. In 3.5 days, this is the rules. A tangible field of divine energy encompasses and suffuses a deity's body, granting it a divine armor class bonus equal to the divine rank. And we're going to get into divine ranks later. So essentially what this is saying is you're going to get armor class equal to your divine ranks. Now, I, as a DM, have no intention of changing this because divine rank is now the way 
your players, if they're all deities, let's say we have four players and they've all become deities. This is how they're going to rank their character up now. This is how they level up through deity ranks. So there's no reason to punish them further when deity ranks are hard enough to achieve to get the status, let alone continuing, you know, to climb the ladder. So the next thing is in 3.5 days, your attacks. A deity's hit dice and type of character level determine its base attack bonus. In addition to the figures for weapon attacks, you will also have a different stat block granted to you via your deity rank or your divine ranks. So again, our divine ranks are coming into play. So it sounds like you're going to get more armor and more hits per turn with the divine rank. Of course, of course. So... As a deity or a greater deity, these are your divine rank 16 to 20. You automatically get the best results possible on any check, saving throw, attack roll, or damage roll. That's that sounds a little OP. That sounds you automatically get yeah. the highest. Yeah. Yep. Now the you got to keep in mind these are our deities that are like Paylor or Vecna or, you know, these are our big, bad, heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah, heavy hitters. Okay. So now that we've talked a little bit, because we can continue to talk, but a lot of the stuff really doesn't transmute over to 5e. What they've done in 5e is essentially they've granted you instead of just immunities, they've granted you immunities and resistances as deities. So, for example, if you are the god of death, you'll be right. immune to necrotic damage. Makes sense. I but mean, yeah. you know, you may be resistant to cold. You can still take that damage, but you're not going to have much else. You know, you're not super up there. Right, right. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, like mm-hmm. you, um, uh, like vampires, they are... Um, invulnerable to necrotic damage like or um because you know they are already dead so like uh magic that comes that comes from death shouldn't affect it and so yeah so i I could see like if you are the goddess of fire then fire damage won't affect you if you are um if like in your portfolio you have like blizzards or Mm -hmm. ice or or um you know what have you then then ice damage wouldn't affect you so that makes sense but yeah like you said like you can't have too many i'd say probably probably three is the hard limit and even then like that third one's got to sort of like be uh circumstantial mm-hmm. um but yeah i'd say like having two um like two uh resistance or invulnerabilities could uh would, would work out especially if you're a deity for sure yeah now there's a couple things that we don't we haven't gone into too much because I don't really feel the need to, but I'm going to mention them. You're granted a couple divine abilities like remote sensing, which acts like scrying. So you can scry on specific people or locations or things that you're familiar with. You have x-ray vision powers of a sort. So you can kind of sense things instead of seeing, you can sense things. Like if you're specifically looking for a sword or dagger or armor, but keep in mind, yeah, that sounds cool, but you're a deity. Your responsibilities far supersede that of dungeon crawling anymore. Right. So you're not really going to use that power to find a dagger. You know, you're going to be using <laughs> mortal people to do those things for you. Because, congratulations, you're now on the war fields of the deities. 
you are now taking arms against other deities. Which brings me to divine ranks. Now, divine ranks can be achieved in several several different ways. Divine ranks can be achieved through worshipers, you know, amassing worshipers at certain levels, you know, things like that. You can take divine ranks from another being. So let's say we're one to five. Okay, let's say we've got a divine rank of two and we find a divine rank six deity. We take them down. We can take their ranks from them, bringing us effectively to a rank eight, which jumps us up in power. Another way to do it is to essentially take on portfolios that are uncontrolled. So let's just say for argument's sake and the world you're playing in, nobody has taken over the domain of trickery or deceit. You can take that up and add to your divine ranks. Now, taking up portfolios is a lot more... It's a lot more than just taking a portfolio, you get a plus one. Depending on the portfolio and depending on the responsibilities it comes with, depends on the pluses you'll get. Some of these portfolios won't give you a plus until you've taken on four or five of them because they're so low on the totem pole. Some of these examples would be, you know, love. And we're not talking you control all love, you just control the love of wildlife. Well, that's not going to give you a huge plus. Or death. Well, you don't control the death of everything. You just control the death of a forest, a particular forest. You know, depending on how powerful the portfolio is, the rank will go up with that. Now, in 5e, these things, some of these things have changed a little bit, like I discussed earlier. So it's okay to draft over your divine ranks. In fact, as DMs, I encourage you to bring those divine ranks over because it does make for some very interesting gameplay. Things such as you have party members who are varying in level and you've got three, you've got a four, you've got a six, you've got an eight, and everybody's trying to get on that same power tier. So why not continue to add, you know, portfolios to the system and add other deities that you can fight, things like that. I encourage this. The rank system encourages not only an interesting game command mechanic of continuing to try to perceive to forward, but it also introduces another game mechanic, which some DMs frown upon, PvP. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, don't, necessarily as a as a dm myself i don't necessarily frown upon it um i can see like why some do you know it's um you know the idea of the game is to um work together to take on whatever the dm Mm -hmm. is throwing you know throwing your way but i mean that you know like there's uh there's definitely some uh there's definitely time and place for some pvp action oh yeah um and so like i said i you know, I, I, it's not something I do often, but I don't think there. Like I said, there, I don't think that there's a, there should be a hard and fast rule about not not being able to do it, oh, especially no. in a in a situation like this, where like you know there are definite stakes at hand, mm-hmm. like cosmic stakes. Oh yeah, which is going to be the name of my steakhouse when I open it. <laughs> I want free steak for life. Sure, sure. But anyway, so yeah. I, in this situation, encourage you to 
press for that interesting element of PvP. Because remember, we're in a different, as, as DMs in this situation, we're in a totally different world now. It's not a matter of, oh, I need to have them fight so many, you know, creatures to get them to level up. No, no, that's all gone. Now it's do or die. Go get followers, you know, get portfolios, kill each other, kill other gods. It. This is how you level up now. There's multiple ways. It's not just grind it until you get the XP for it. Yeah, exactly. So another. I mean, p- if, if, if I was going to say before you before you move on, I mean, yeah. if anything this. This really opens up the uh, the game to more role play, you mm-hmm. know, like as opposed to um, like having to be sort of um, uh, like quest based and sort of achievement based. You know, it can really open it up to like to uh, to the, the the you know to the story mm-hmm. as opposed to like you know. I mean, like yes, it's a it's a role playing game, but. This puts a more emphasis on the role playing than it does the game aspect. Exactly. So I'm glad you brought up role playing because that's actually what I was going to draft into next. Boom. boom. That's called a segue, folks. <laughs> so with We're role-playing, professionals. Are we though? <laughs> sure. So with role playing in this element, I've had a lot of DMs in the past go, how do we do it? Well, that is a part next part of the responsibility of you becoming a deity now. So you've got all these powers. You've got this incredible skill. You have all these immunities. You have all these powers. What am I supposed to do with it? Well, now you're responsible for your followers. So now it's your job to take care of them. So your daily tasks might have just become granting minor miracles, you know, answering prayers, you know, the the task list is endless protecting a wildlife you know an area of wildlife from endangered species it, it, the list goes on and on create new creatures this is now the game mechanic this is now how you will continue to get those deity divine ranks up this is how you'll also continue to keep your divine ranks as they are because just as much as your divine ranks can go up your divine ranks can go down if you're not taking basic, care basic of your, gravity, folks, yeah, exactly. Basic gravity. It's a very, it is a very tightly woven web being a deity, because if one strand falters or fails, the rest could potentially come crumbling down. Mm-hmm. So now that we have introduced this new game command mechanic where we have to actually role play things out, we can't solve everything with violence. You might want to take a second and ask your players, is this still the avenue we want to continue to proceed down? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like there's, uh, and it might have seemed like I was sort of, um, you know, uh, not like bashing, but sort of downgrading the the game aspect of it. But I mean, there's, you know, that's partly why, you know, or that's mostly why I started playing the game to begin mm-hmm. with. You know, I'm like, but you know, I didn't jump into D&D and immediately know how to role play a character. Oh no! You know, you know, I, it, it's very much the uh, okay. I uh, I asked the person if he knows where uh, if he's seen like the man on on the wanted poster. Uh, you know, I was like, no, like that's you know that's how I that's how everyone kind of starts playing. But it's the it's the it's the like the combat 
and the skill checks that that, that are appealing to you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so you definitely, and there are some people that prefer that over the role playing. Um, and to them, I say, fantastic. As long as you're playing the game, I don't care. Like, uh, but, uh, yeah, you definitely, you definitely discuss it with your, with your campaign, with your party mm-hmm. and, uh, and ask them, you know, are you want to lean more towards this or, you know, toward the role playing aspect or, or do we want to stay sort of like, you know, combat and, uh, combat and skill check heavy and, and achievement based. Exactly. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, we figured out how we're going to role play and everything else. The next thing you truly need to figure out as a player is where are you going to fall in the alignment chart and what is going to appease you as a deity? Right. So I want to go over, I want to go over a small little blurb about one of my personal favorite deities, Vecna. You you love you some Vecna. (laughs) (laughs) So, Vecna, deity of secrets, was once a mortal king who became a lich. He usually appears as a lich who is missing his left hand and left eye. He lost his hand and eye in a fight with the traitorous Lieutenant Cause. Vecna rules that e- whoa, excuse me, that which <laughs> is not meant to be known, that which people wish to keep secret. So Vecna is the god of secrets. He wow. was who was who achieved deity status via the lich path. Now there's a lot more to go into depth. And later on, I would love to do an episode about deities and their pasts because we've been requested several times to go over some of the backstories of some of the major characters of D and D. And I'd love to hit those. So I'm not going to go too much in depth with Vecna, but flat out, it says he is a lich, which back in the day, evil characters right now that we know about you know 5e 5e's changed the rules a bit but they still follow that same principle because you have to do some evil deeds to become a a lich yep i mean yeah yeah um and you know the uh the idea behind uh alignment is you know what they're trying to say is you know like before we'd say like oh these creatures are all evil Mm -hmm. and now you know it's like they are they are mostly evil they they gravitate toward this alignment but not they don't want to you know paint an entire you know species with uh, with a you know with a broad stroke and so you know i i like the idea of obviously like you know like you said you to become a lich you have to commit evil acts mm-hmm. however uh you know those evil acts uh in the mind of this person or this this creature who becomes a lich might not be evil. Oh yeah. And so, uh, and so in, in their, from their perspective, you know, it's like, well, I'm going, uh, like I, I have a pro I, like, I, I have a prophecy that the, this person is going to end up, you know, um, you know, because you know, becoming a terrible person, you know, uh, destroying a whole village, whatever it might be. And so I'm going to kill him now. Um, and so in his mind, he's doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. However, you know, he is murdering an innocent person based on what could be a false prophecy. Yeah. I love how we've changed the narrative of alignments in 5e to fit that of the actual real world. Because yeah. like you said, what you perceive to be evil and what I perceive to be evil are two totally different things. But there is a collective thought of what is evil. You know, what is the common, hey, 
this is bad. Don't do this. Exactly. You know? And I love how we've adapted that in 5e because it has opened more avenues for role playing. But anyway, we should digress. Let's get back to deities. So as my brief explanation of Vecna, there's three things I want to point out. Number one, we we briefly touch on it. He was a mortal, okay, who became a deity through lichdom. Okay, he is the god of secrets. He only has one portfolio, yet he is incredibly strong. Why is that? There's multiple reasons why. He basically stacked himself up. He's undead, so he has the undead immunities. Just because you become a deity doesn't mean you stop being what you were. It just right. means you're a more powerful version of it. So he's undead. So he has all those things running for him. He's also extremely intelligent. He also has all of the deity stat block boosts. So your new immunities, your new resistances, you know, so on and so forth. And to top it all off, they, the last thing is they have almost, they've almost made it achievable to wound or kill him, which is incredible to think about. His hand and his eye are missing. And this is one of the most infamous things of D&D. If you love, you know, your critical role, you already know where the hand is currently in canon lore. And I'm not going to ruin that for you. You need to go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, um, you can find it in Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. I mean, we are, uh, we are a lore cast. Okay, fine. (laughs) Ah. Well, I'll just give you this. It is currently attached to to a dragonborn. Okay. We'll go go in further later. We'll discuss it later when we discuss Tiamat. But all that being said, these are the things that you need to focus on as a deity. How are we going to give ourselves an epic story? How am I going to get my boosts and my stats and things like that? These are things you need to focus on as well as focusing on your alignment. Where do you want to fall on the alignment tier? Who do you want worshiping you? What acts do you want committed in your name? Because these acts reflect directly to you and your divine rank. So all that being said, we've talked for quite some time. I think we should jump to the middle of the show. Let's do it. And then when we come back, we can discuss some more. I told you, massive info drop this episode. (laughs) A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And a lot of it is going to be role playing focused. But anyway, let's dive into the first part of our mid break. Thanking our patrons. Let's thank our patrons. Let's go. Sergio, who do we have for our patrons this month? Well, as always, we have our deity patron, Lupus, who we want. Lupus, who we want to thank. Uh, Lupus uh, has been a uh, supporter since the beginning. And we are uh, so grateful that he is uh, such a fan of the show and such a huge supporter. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Jonathan Sutter. We also want to thank Sergeant Reaper. They're both um, on our wizard tier, so they'll be able to join us along with Lupus uh, next week and every month at the end of the at the, at the end of the month for our patron chat. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Wolf the Sheepdog, Remington Cloutier, 
Uh, and I'm not going to screw this up this week. I'm not going to screw it up. We want to thank Daniel Paleo. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I think I nailed it. And our newest patron, Climbing Zebra 82. Thank you so much for signing up, for showing us some support and some love. Um, again, if you uh, have the funds to spare, please uh, please do so. And uh, because you get um, all sorts of stuff at all manner of tiers, starting as low as five bucks, uh, five dollars, you get uh, early episodes as well as ad free episodes. There's a cool like little feature on Patreon where we can uh, we have your own uh, RSS feed for the show, mm-hmm. so you bypass all the uh, all the ads that um, everyone else gets. Um, but yeah, we get yeah t-shirts, we got uh, bonus episodes, we've got uh, minis that uh, crit paints. Uh, we were just talking earlier uh, at the beginning of the show or before the show started, um, because crit always or crit tries to bring a, a new mini or a new set of minis uh, during every episode, and he was showing me the mini he's going to talk about this week, and I'm like that looks dope i want it i don't know how to paint though and chris like i do which i <laughs> i guess it's just a it's just a, a skill that you learn it um, is. um you know doing it over and over but i want to be able to i, I want to be able to do it now without practicing i just want to be able to do it um but yeah so thank you so much to our patrons um and if you're just if you're just able to listen uh thank you so much uh ask uh you know tell a friend tell a coworker, tell a loved one tell an enemy about the show uh, you know, uh, us growing just means that we get to do more cool stuff. Yes. And we have some pretty cool stuff in store for 2022. Season three of the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Yeah, 2022 is going to be a great year. I can't mm, wait. So much fun. So much fun. But anyway, today you've briefly talked about it, but I'm going to show it. Okay. I've got it pulled up and I'm ready to show everybody at home. This thing is gnarly. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, we will post a link in the mm-hmm. show notes to this uh, to this mini, which uh, is well worth every penny of its nearly forty bucks. Uh, yeah. So that's, and it's not really a mini because it's like four and a half inches. Yeah, it's four and a half inches tall. So I'm going to hit some major points here. So it's four and a half inches inches tall. It's handmade. It's UV resin. Okay, and it is. It's only forty bucks. Okay, and now with shipping and everything, it's probably closer to like 50, 55. But still, for a four and a half foot tall, you you can't get a better price. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it up. This mini is called The Jailer. Okay, and this is by, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Bestiarium Miniatures. Okay, and it's sold on Etsy via Dungeon World. And this thing is gnarly looking. Now that was this was sent to me by uh, Wolf's Lore, one of our other fans. Uh, he heard me talking about last episode where I didn't have a mini to drop, and I was so disappointed. So he sent me a few of them, and this is one of them. Uh, and this thing is just sick. It is just sick. You can see the detail with the bodies coming out of the the gut, where it actually has looks like iron bars in its stomach. It's I don't know. I don't, I'm I'm flabbergasted. It's it's, it's gross. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is gross and awesome looking all at the same mm-hmm. time. So yeah, it's it is definitely the jailer. It it's it, to me it reflects more of a like a demonic kind of creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna show it as it comes to you unpainted. 
Uh, and you can see the detail. It lo- that looks like a that looks like a spine. Its whip literally to me looks like a spine. Yeah. It's, okay. Like it's like a spinal cord. Yeah. Like a spinal cord. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah. Lupus. Lupus said it. It's both horrifying and amazing. Yeah. It yep. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. So that's it's like it's I like I love it and I hate it all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's. <laughs> So that is our miniature for the week. The Jailer by Bestiarium. I guess it's Bestiarium Miniatures. If they if they listen to this, correct me. Because <laughs> I hate mispronouncing names. <laughs> but yeah. So it's The Jailer. If you want to find it, go to Etsy.com. Uh, Just look up Jailer. Jailer Miniature. And it should pop right up. Um, or you can use the link in our show notes to find it if you are just dying to have this thing or even take a look at it. It's it's gnarly. So what do we have this week for our DMs Corner? All right, our DMs Guild Corner of the Week. You know, we're talking about uh, we're talking about becoming a deity. We're talking about um, divine rank. We're talking about portfolios. We're talking about all the things that is is... Um, you know, uh, surrounds godhood. What about deicide? What about killing a god? Now, this doesn't uh, quite uh, fit into, this isn't, you know, this isn't deicide centric, but this is a um, supplemental book called Ancestral Weapons. This is from the group Dungeon Rollers. So Ancestral Weapons contains rules for scaling heirloom weapons and quick building magic weapons. Uh, A noble blade wielded in the Blood Wars. An axe used to protect the great city of Mirabar from orc invasions or a powerful staff passed down by great sorcerers through the eons. Ancestral Weapons are iconic within role-playing. These weapons embody a character's family, story, and history. So they're powerful heirlooms gifted through the generations that scale up in power as your adventurers perform heroic deeds. So it uh, gives you the rules for scaling ancestral weapons in fifth edition. Uh, you have over 130 weapon upgrades, uh, rules to quick build magic items. Uh, and it gives you four examples of ancestral weapons developed by the playtesters, uh, each with four iterations used in their campaigns, and as well as uh, four ancestral weapons built using their spirit uh, point system, which is uh, it allows players to, uh, which is like, uh, which is what they created and it allows players to forge unique and thematically appropriate weapons. So using like using their spirit point crafting system and those sort of the ideas of a, of an ancestral weapon, you could craft a blade that was wielded um, by, by an ancestor, by, you know, uh, by a great, great, great grandfather to destroy uh, an ancient evil uh, to destroy, to, to kill a God, to perform deicide, you know, you could, you can create uh, a blade that, um, that is infused with a, with a evil God's like, uh, magic, uh, to, to then kill, uh, a rival God, you know, sort of like Grumsh and, and, uh, and, uh, Corleone. And so like the idea of like being able to craft this weapon, uh, that can do amazing things that can do things that you normally wouldn't see in a campaign, 
which is kind of like what we're talking about with this with this two parter on uh, on how to become a god and what to do as a god. You know, these are things that you don't normally see in a campaign. You know, mm-hmm. there's you know these this isn't dungeon crawling. This isn't hanging out in a, in a tavern trying to find out you know who's who poisoned the water hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, know, Woody, is, calm down. <laughs> this is this is some you know these are cosmic stakes at mm-hmm. hand, and so and so you know mistakes require comic weapons and so ancestral weapons is my dm's guild corner of the week pick and you can get all that for only 4.95 see i like that because i feel when you were explaining it to begin with i was like oh well they've just all they've done is change the names to you know the um oh goodness the weapons and the items uh no yeah you just like slap a name on it and say like oh this is the the, the weapons holy, of legacy yeah the right, weapons like, of legacy 3.5 book it's like you know this is the holy uh like you know great mm-hmm. sword of of whoever yeah I, uh, but yeah it sounded like when you were first explaining it the weapons of legacy book from 3.5 but now that they've added their you know whole their whole own personal system to upgrading it and you can choose to how you want to upgrade these weapons it's completely different like with weapons of legacy you got what you got and you ranked it up through that way yeah, with this exactly. you can choose, and that's so. This thing's oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's uh, you know, it's like to me, it's got like really like um, like Andril, the mm-hmm. the sword that was broken from Lord of the Rings. It's got like vibes like that, where like this, you know, this is this weapon accomplished something, uh, something amazing, something great, something that no one thought would be possible, and so like you are now able to harness that power. That's insane. I'm going to go run and pick this up after this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's like and, and here's the thing is I'd say uh 95% of what I recommend I like I've purchased and looked through. I think uh, I but when I recommended One Night Stroud, I hadn't I hadn't gotten yet. I hadn't looked through it, but uh like yeah, like I said and and I'm not made of money. That's why most of the stuff I recommend is like 5, five bucks and under. So, hey, that's all right. So, with all that being said and out of the way, let's dive back into the final part of what we do as a deity. That was my diving sound. (laughs) Your diving sound had me rolling during the entire thing. (laughs) Does it? (laughs) So... This section is actually, I've, I've condensed a lot of information, and if you are looking for more information about how to become a deity, what to do once you're a deity, either DM or player, you can go pick up Deities and Demigods 3.5 supplement. Um, you can find it on Amazon, you can find it on eBay, you can find it almost anywhere online. Um, last time I checked, it wasn't very expensive, it was like 50 bucks. I mean, that's more expensive than the current ones. But if you're looking to utilize some old information, you can pick it up. Right. So or you can pick up the PDFs online for much cheaper. You know, it's you. You do you. (laughs) You do you. They've also got a lot of stuff on the Dungeon Masters Guild. I'm just saying, just saying, throwing that out there. But anyway, so there's a couple things we need to discuss before we can get to the magic item of the week. And the first thing is, as a deity, you get to create your own plane of existence. 
Right. Okay. Now, this is important because depending on your divine rank depends on how big it is. So the more divine rank and divine power you have, the larger your personal domain becomes. I think that the makes sense. first one starts off with 100 foot by 100 foot. Like it's not very big. You, you get like a little cube, enough to build your own personal space in. And as you grow in power, your influence grows as well. Even so much so that eventually your influence will stretch out to the material plane. So then you can start influencing things within the material plane. So this is another reason why deities start to try to stomp on each other and take power from one another is to increase their influence in the world. Right. I mean, deities aren't all too dissimilar from mortals in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah. They're just, they're essentially, they're mortals with a lot of superpowers. Easiest right. way to put it. <laughs> so the reason I bring up domains first is because what comes next is influenced by your dona- domains. Okay. So the influential power that you get, we briefly talked about it just like two seconds ago. The influential power that you get is based on the size of your domain. However, that doesn't mean that you can just wish things into existence as the, the Omega divine being. You know, you're a 25, 20 to 25 rank deity. Doesn't mean you can just poof things into existence. You still doesn't have to that. follow the rules of equivalent exchange. So if you don't have enough of one, you can't make it into something else. Right. You still have to follow that rule. So. That being said, there's a lot of lore about how deities travel to other deities' domains to steal their god sparks, to steal their power, to steal their portfolios, you know, whatever. That being said, while in your domain, this was incorporated into 5e, you have what is called your layer actions. Okay? Okay. These are things we see on creatures like the Tarrasque and the Leviathan and, you know, creatures that have their own, shall we say home? They have their own little domain, their home. You as a deity have these powers as well, because though you can't affect things on the material plane, you can control with 100% absolute your own personal domain. I like that. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, it's a, Gameplay wise, it it's an incentive, but also it makes sense just in the narrative. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, you have to figure out what your layer actions are. And on top of that, all deities, according to 5e rules, now get bonus action. Well, not bonus action. I'm so sorry. You get legendary actions. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get legendary actions. Oh. It's close. It's close. It's kind of a bonus close. action. <laughs> So, yeah, you get your legendary actions now. And this is another thing you'll need to discuss with your DM. These are the things I want to do. These are the things I could do when I was a normal mortal. I just kind of want to up the ante. You know, I could summon an eagle. Well, I want to summon a dozen eagles with my legendary actions. These are actions that you can take into the material plane. These are your personal actions. These are affected by your power not your control of the material plane. So once you've figured all these things out and you figured out how to proceed forward with your deity, the final step into playing a deity is to watch your back. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like we mentioned, like, you know, there's divine ranks can be won and lost. And so, like you said, like, you know, deities uh, are much like, you know, are are as power hungry as your average mortal. And so if, yeah, if uh, if another god catches you slipping, Mm -hmm. you will get got. That's it. You're done. (laughs) You're going to get got today. But all that being said, that's it. That's as simple as it is. That's that's the net. Now, there's a lot more to go through with it. You have to pick a weapon and things like this. But the the down and dirty bare essentials of being a deity is all in this episode. Um, As an adventure hook. Okay. I like the idea of like, let's say um, you want to, let's say you, uh, you want to start off uh, like a normal, normal ish campaign, mm-hmm. no, you know, normal as far as like dungeon crawling and, 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 and combat and all that. Um, so let's say you have a, one of the characters, uh, play a, a deity that has lost their godhood for some reason or another. Okay. And so they're trying to get it back. And so, uh, they, so the, he enlists the other, uh, party members to help them with the promise that they, once he's able to do so, that he will be, they will, they will also rise to divinity. And so you have your, 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 your normal-ish campaign, your, you know, for all of your, all the regular nuts and bolts of a D and D campaign with the end goal or with, with like, I guess the, the pivot goal being at a certain point, should you succeed, you all become deities. And then at that point you can start a deity campaign. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like this adventure hook. The only th- question I have is, is and this, and this stems into something we didn't really talk about this episode is your character or NPC an avatar of the deity or are they actually the deity? I would say that it's, they're the actual deity. Like I said, it it would be it's not an NPC. It's an actual player. Like oh, you can okay. decide you can decide which which uh, party member is the fallen god, and then but you know like I said they they don't have any um, any uh, like talents or perks or skills or anything mm-hmm. above your average player of whatever rank they are or whatever um, level they are. So it's not like you know one player has can do all this cool stuff that the other players can't do. Like, you know, like in this story, like they have fallen from God or they have lost their God. They can, they can rise back up, but they've got to, they've got to do some stuff and to do that stuff, they need some help. And so, and they could even be followers of, of this deity. And so, you know, what better way to get in your God's good graces than to help them, you know, get back to Godhood. I like this. I like this adventure hook a lot. I feel like, it's a great way to level your party members up from one to wherever you're ready to, you know, set them off sale of godhood. And then it's it's even better to carry them on forward because, you know, especially in 5e right now, a lot of people are disappointed because once you hit level 20, there's not really any leveling beyond that. You get boons, yep. you get, you know, abilities and things like that, but you're not really leveling. And the yep. boons, eventually, they get they get to be boring and tedious sometimes. So I like this as an adventure as a whole because you get to carry your character onwards to greatness, essentially. 
to to the heavens, mm-hmm. to the cosmos. Lupus Lupus brings up a good point. In five E, they had the Epic Levels Handbook, which no, in, third, in three E, I mean third edition. Did I say five E? You did. I'm at three point five. My bad. <laughs> so in three E, yeah, they they had the Epic Levels Handbook, which carried you on from levels twenty upwards, and yep. that was fantastic. That was amazing. No, I mean, like, yeah, that, whatever, like, because, you know, most of your, uh, like, heavy duty campaigns, your, uh, mm-hmm. your, your shackled cities, your age of worms, they took you from level one to level 20. And then after that, um, you know, you're like, what, what next? Uh, uh, Valley, Valley says, uh, once you hit level, t- uh, once you hit level 20, the 15 campaigns that you were lucky to reach level 10, uh, you guys are past your teens. I'm like, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, that's, we're the, that's the other thing too, is, um, the, uh, the appeal of playing a high level mm-hmm. to start off with, instead of starting at level one, you start off an adventure where your characters are level like 15, 16, 17, yep. and then you work your way up to 20. And then you're thinking like, well, we've been doing this for six months or so. Like, you know, I wish we could continue doing this, continue playing these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but no, but, uh, but to, to their point, uh, yeah. I mean, like how, how many, uh, if I had a, a graveyard of, of dead <laughs> campaigns that, that failed, uh, that, you know, that, that failed, um, I, uh, I wouldn't, I would I would have one busy undertaker. Uh, yeah, me too. Players leave, whatever. You just don't get past. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, exactly. So, anyway, all that being said, let's talk about our magic item of the week. So, this week, I'm not bringing anything particularly too crazy, but I am going to bring something from our show, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. Ooh. I'm going to bring another one in again. So, this one is a rod of transportation. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? I am. As it works, you have one rod, okay? And I have the other. Wherever you place the master rod, which is up for the DM to decide in secret which one, in fact, is the master rod. And if you want to give your your players a little bit of flavor here, the master rod has a ornately carved elvish symbol on somewhere either in or on the master rod right so wherever the master rod is placed it stays firmly planted from there it has two functions function number one is at any point in time you can use the other rod to teleport yourself and anyone touching you to the master rod And if any of the fumbling four right now is listening, I need you to close your ears (laughs) because I'm about to explain number two. So number two, the number two option is it also has the ability if you are, if you pass a level 25 or a, a rank 25 check of Arcana, you have the ability to program it to travel to any plane Safely. Any plane. Safely. Yes. Any domain, any plane. But you have to pass a level a, a 25 arcana check in order to program it. And this is every single time you use it to travel to a new plane. You have to understand where you're going. Now, 
if it is a more difficult plane or is a plane that you as a GM or DM, quite frankly, don't want them to get to yet, you could always make those checks a lot harder to pass. But the standard minimum is 25. And that is because of how powerful the rod is. Yeah, I mean, if you can travel to any plane safely, then yeah, that's got to be a pretty pretty hefty skill check. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yes, this is the rod of transportation. I'd say, like I said, it's nothing super fancy, but it is pretty powerful. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I'm reading the comment here. Alexian, wherever you place the master rod, I don't care where else you say, it better be the only thing that can kill chickens. <laughs> it definitely is. I see where you're going with this one. I see you. <laughs> well, that's it for our episode this week. So, Sergio. Yes. Would you like to share with us what wonderful things you have in store besides the Dungeons & Dragons lore cast? Well, besides the D&D lore cast, of which I am uh, I am forever grateful to have been asked to be a part of, uh, I also do a, uh, a, a nerd sci-fi comic book horror podcast called Fandom University, where myself and my best friend, Sean Hamill, get together uh, every other week to discuss uh, something in that sort of, in the, in the fandom. Uh, we've discussed uh, the Alien movies, we've discussed... Uh, the Resident Evil franchise, the the games and the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on a we are on a short hiatus right now through the end of the year. We will we will be releasing a special Christmas episode, um, either on Christmas Day itself or soon after, where we will discuss the Matrix movies. Uh, think uh, because of the the brand new that one that just came out yesterday. We've been rewatching all the movies and sort of doing our research into the the themes and the uh, the um, the ideas behind that trilogy and the, the, the fourth movie that just came out. Uh, but we'll be back uh, in January to discuss the scream franchise scream five is coming out in January. And so, you know, uh, the scream movies were, um, you know, uh, if you're of, uh, if you came up like in the mid to late nineties uh, you know, those are movies that you hold near and dear to your heart. And so uh, I think that it's, it's a uh, deconstructionist nature uh, lends itself really well to the uh, like you know, this kind of show that we do. So we're excited to talk about that. We got you know guests coming up. Uh, it's like it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm ready to see what you guys have in store for 2022 because 2021 was pretty exciting. I love the Resident Evil. I can't, I can't say that enough. I love the Resident Evil coverage you guys did. It was great. It was fantastic. I wonder why. <laughs> Wonder why. Do you have your own Resident Evil show? Perhaps? I do. We'll talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> but yeah, it was fantastic. It's I love how you guys cover it in depth. Uh, the different angles you guys cover is fantastic for each one. So if you aren't checking it out, I would highly advise you go check out the Fandom University podcast. It is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful podcast. Me. Holy cow. I got seven other podcasts. <laughs> you got a lot of podcasts. I do. I do. I've, I mean, I'm going to rattle off a list real quick. I'm going to focus on one this week. So we've got the RE Lurecast. Right. We've got Avatar Legends, uh, TTRPG. We've got Delta Green ACP Files, TTRPG. We've got the, we got Cyberpunked, 
which is Cyberpunk Red TTRPG. We've got Call of Cthulhu Mythos Mysteries. Can't say any more about that one. That's a TTRPG as well. Um, golly, I've got so many. Uh, Unbelieve Four. But well, no, we got to save that one to last. Oh, okay, I was going to say that one. That that's 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 sort of, that's, that's, that's that's kind of our thing. Yeah, the, the um, season finale is starting to come up. Mm-hmm. We've got Knights of Darkness. Uh, that is a right, uh, right. World of Darkness Vampire Masquerade podcast. Um, I think that's it for now. But we do have our comedy D&D 5e podcast, The Fumbling Four, and The Almighty Crit. And yes, yeah. we are coming up on our season finale. And it has been a wild ride throughout the entire series. You are not going to be able to guess what half of these players do. I'm just, I'm just saying. They are throwing loops left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we spent an entire episode... No, we spent half an episode, half a 45 minute episode on figuring out how to make corn dogs last. Yeah, you will never you will never look at a corn dog the same again after (laughs) listening to Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. Never, never. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's gotten Fumbling Four has gotten pretty hairy as of towards the end. That's what I will say. The episode that we're dropping this week. I'm a fan of it. Game of, Game of Thrones vibes off of this episode. Game of Thrones vibes off of this episode. <laughs> I um, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan, and we'll just uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more um, after we uh, go off the air. Yeah. Uh, for the again, another another bonus for uh, for patrons mm-hmm. is in addition to early episodes and ad free episodes. Yep. You also get the pre show and post show banter between myself and Crit. All the stuff that uh that uh. Couldn't it's too hot for Twitch. (laughs) It's too hot to trot. And if you are not tuning in to our live shows on Thursdays at 730 Central Time uh, at twitch.tv backslash almighty crit, you are missing out on my awesome dance moves. Okay? My awesome dance moves. They're they are dance moves. They are dance moves. (laughs) But anyway. I think that's all we have for the time for the show today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you tune in next week. See you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.